listening to the Issues on Appeal podcast, focusing on timely and timeless issues of appellate practice and professionalism. Here is your host, Dwayne Dyker. Thanks for joining me for episode 25, Working Remotely. This show is again sponsored by Court Surety Bond Agency, the nation's leading surety agency specializing in super CDS bonds. More about CSBA later in the show. My conversation with Kansas Gooden is coming up next. So, Kansas Gooden, welcome to this very special episode of the Issues on Appeal podcast. Good morning. Now, I say special because you remember when we were kids and, and network TV had some kind of serious TV episode, like about drug abuse or alcoholism, they would call it a very special episode. <laughs> Absolutely. And it always broke in on Saturday morning during cartoons. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are recording on March 14, 2020, in the throes of a, a national state of emergency uh, due to the coronavirus and people, including lawyers and appellate lawyers, are in a position now of suddenly having to work from home, a lot of them maybe for the first time, and maybe without a lot of preparation and forethought. So my topics on this show are usually pretty evergreen and not so timely, but it felt like a good time to do this, to do something that might help people right away. And and it's a topic I wanted to talk about anyway, because there's, there's definitely a trend towards more remote work. And even virtual law firms are becoming a thing. So while this topic is a little urgent right now, it's a topic we're talking about generally, too. And I'm so glad to have you on the show because I know this is something that's that's important to you and that you have a lot of experience with. So why don't you tell us first, Candace, what, what you're doing now, and then let's talk a little bit about your history of working remotely. Absolutely. Um Well, I'm a board-certified appellate attorney um, at the law firm of Boyd & Jennerette. I am a equity shareholder there. Um, I lived in Jacksonville for approximately eight years. Um, and then um, due to, you know, my significant other getting a new job in Miami, uh, we up and kind of moved our family. And um, all of a sudden, I needed to work remote because my law firm did not have a Miami office at the time. Um, and so this happened um, about three and a half, four years ago. Um, so it's been something that I've been dealing with for quite a while. So now, and you're not the only one at your firm or even in your practice group that works remotely, right? Correct. My entire group works remote. Um, so under me, I have a junior partner. I have three associates, a paralegal and a legal assistant who all work remote. Um, and then also within our firm, uh, we have entire practice groups that work remote. Um, they have the option of sharing an office um, in one of our physical offices, but my understanding, nobody really comes in um, and they pretty much just operate from their homes. And um, it is a fantastic tool, um, especially to promote your firm um, with and great for recruiting. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, so how close are you actually to your to your physical office? Um, so the closest physical office, uh, well, we, let me back up a minute. We have our main offices in Jacksonville. We also have Savannah, Georgia, Orlando, St. Pete, and Boca. Um, so Boca is the closest one, and that is probably over an hour drive from my house. So, and 
rush hour traffic in Miami, it could take me two to three easily each way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything can take two to three hours in Miami, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's great. And how often, you personally, how often do you actually go into that office? Um, never, um, actually. Um, so when I first went remote, I would go up to the Jacksonville office. And I, I think that's because it was our main office. Um, I would go up there about once a month, but that has scaled down drastically. And so I head up maybe twice a year, sometimes three times a year um, to maybe hit a shareholder meeting in person. Um, but for the most part, you know, I'm staying in Miami. Oh, that's great. Well, so let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits of working remotely. Now, right now it's kind of a continuity of business sort of thing for some people. We're, we're doing it because we have to, you know, our firms are, are temporarily shutting down or, or just because it's the right thing to do, right? Everything is about increasing social distancing now, which is a term I'd never heard before, <laughs> before about a week ago. But, exactly. you know, we, we know that, uh, there is are plenty of benefits to maintaining some social distance and working at home is a big part of that. So in, in the bigger picture, what do you see and what has been your experience about some of the benefits of working remotely? Ultimately, there is less overhead. Um, so my firm actually has run the numbers um, of the comparison. So to onboard a new attorney, um, that works remote, it's about $3,200. And that is computer co- costs, printer, you know, the modem, their phone, everything that they need to create a essentially a home office versus about, uh, I think, 2800 if you are simply in the office. Where the savings actually comes in is later in the work life of that person. Because you're not paying rent for that person in the office um, because almost all office leases are done per square foot. And so you don't have to pay parking for that person. You don't have to pay the square foot for that person's office. And so ultimately in the long run, you end up saving a lot of money for this person. There's no commute. Uh, When I lived in Jacksonville, I had between a basically 45 minute to an hour drive each way to and from the office. And so all of a sudden I picked up an hour and a half to two hours extra a day um, that I didn't have before. All of a sudden I became much more productive at work. Um, I was able to join join more organizations, get more involved in organizations, uh, pick up more leadership uh, roles. And it was a really good professionally for me personally. Yeah, I was going to say definitely that, you know, commuting is a big thing. Uh, I mean, some of us are, some of the people I work with are fortunate enough to have a very short commute because they live in South Tampa and work in downtown Tampa. But, you know, most of us have a much longer commute than that. I, I live in Clearwater, work in Tampa, and it's, you know, 45 minutes on a good day and uh, typically an hour and sometimes an hour and a half or, or more on a bad day. So you just, that is nice. If you think about that, that's two to three hours a day. You know, I try and make use of my time as best I can. I make phone calls and that sort of thing if, if it's possible, but that's a lot of time in your day that's, that's lost to commuting. So that, that's definitely one benefit I see for sure for me. 
Yeah, it's it's huge. And uh, the junior partner in my group, he lived in kind of North Broward County um, and was working in Miami when I found him. And his commute was two hours each way. And so all of a sudden he picked up four extra hours and he has a young child. So those extra four hours meant, you know, huge. He could pick up his daughter from work, take her to school, you know, take her to ballet, whatever he needed to do as a father. And it, it was really um, just a good change for him. And along with that, I guess, sort of tied in together with that is, is more flexibility in your schedule that way. We, we all has lawyers, our professionals, and we have the ability to flex our time a little bit, but it's a little harder to take care of personal errands. If you've got to commute an hour to work, uh, you can't do things in the middle of the day. You can't flex your schedule that much where I, I get the impression that when you're working at home, and we'll probably talk about whether this is a two-edged sword, a good and a bad thing, but I imagine it's a lot easier to be flexible with your with your life, with your family, with your commitments, that sort of thing. Absolutely. You know, if the plumber or electrician needs to come to your house, you don't have to stay and, you know, miss work time. You know, you will take a small break when, you know, the, there's a ring on your doorbell and when that person leaves. So you're able to deal with a lot more of the day-to-day work. Um, I also, um, and I did this more when I first started working remote, there's certain grocery stores in Miami who run sales um, on certain days. And so I would go to those grocery stores like at 9 and 10 in the morning. I wouldn't have done that if I was driving to the office because I would be in the car at that time. Um, and so, you know, running over to the mall during the middle of the day, it's, it's not that big a deal anymore. And it's just able to, you know, to, to live life. I wonder, do you find it easier to focus at home on work and to be undistracted? I mean, one of the things I find in the office is I get my best writing done usually you know, after 5 p.m. or after 6 p.m. when people stop bothering me and the phone stops ringing. And I imagine it might be the reverse at home. It might be easier to get stuff during the done during the day and not at night. But how do you find it is as far as distractions and focus and that sort of thing? Well, I, I control the focus um, myself because my office phone and I, it might be a good time just to talk about kind of my setup is essentially an, an office in my house. And so I have an actual office phone where anybody in my firm can just dial my extension and it rings to my desk. And so the receptionist will put you through. Um, so I'm still getting those calls. So I still have to struggle with that uh, a lot. Um, but one thing that, and I, I, this is personally one thing I struggle, is having to put on the do not disturb during the day um, to get stuff done. Because you do want to take clients' calls. And, um, you know, I have some very young associates and you know, they're at that prime age where you really want to mentor them to make sure they go down the right path. And so I always want to be available. And so that's just something that I still struggle with after, you know, so many years of doing this. Right. So do you tend to keep a a generally, you know, nine to five ish schedule on your, on your work office so that you're in sync with everybody? How does that, how does that work for you? Um, it's normally about, um, you know, nine to six ish is kind of my work schedule. I'm not that great a morning person. So sometimes it's a little later than nine, 
But, you know, on days that I can't quite, you know, get going before nine, I'll, I'll end up staying later. But, you know, it, and I'll just kind of flip over to some of my associates. They keep different work hours as well. I have one associate who has insomnia. And so she gets up at like three and four in the morning and she just starts working because she can't sleep. And so I know that she is going to do her best work at that, you know, 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. window before I'm even, you know, up and going. But she's calling it a day at maybe three or four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So there is, again, we were talking about flexibility. That, that's one of the great things working from home. You know, we've had uh, associates work in different time zones. Um, we had an associate whose husband um, was a Navy pilot and got uh, transferred to California. That very significant time difference from Florida. And so, um, you know, you were constantly having to work with that different time zone, but it just, you have to kind of find the sweet spot for everybody. It, it ends up working. It, it, it really, truly does. Now we started to touch a little bit, cause I guess these things are so intertwined with some of the drawbacks to working remotely. You had mentioned interactions with your colleagues. I think this is one thing that people are a little bit nervous about. You know, it's it's so easy to walk over to somebody's office next door and ask a question or talk about a case or, you know, just sort of get some advice, feedback, that sort of thing. Obviously, there are ways to 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 mitigate that in, in today's today's world. We're we're also in touch in other ways. But how do you how do you keep that interaction going with the people that you're working with? Absolutely. Um, when you're working remote in a team, communication is key. And just don't type. You need to actually talk. So you have to pick up the phone and talk to people. So what we do, we have Skype meetings. So we're actually seeing each other or we're having telephonic meetings. There has to be human interaction in this. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Everybody needs to be given guidance on files. and you know, a lot, especially if you are the leader of your team, you have to set expectations, you know, especially giving assignments, you know, we need this brief done by X date so I can review it before we send it to the client. And, you know, that can sound terse in in an email, but when you're having the conversation, um, talking it out, it's, it's not terse. Um, and you know, things don't get miscommunicated. You know, one other thing that happens too, is we make sure, um, when we're leaving the, you know, the, our per se office for the day, maybe go to a doctor's appointment or run some errands, we kind of let everybody else know. So somebody's not, you know, trying to hunt us down during that time period. How do you do that? Do you do that by sending out an email or is there some some better way to do that. Yeah, normally just send an email to the entire team. And, you know, one thing that I did internally within our Outlook, I set up a group called Appellate and we send it to the Appellate email address and everybody on the team gets it. So Mm. we kind of know where everybody is and it just makes it easier. So you're not stressed out as the team leader wondering, oh, is this person working? And as a young associate, you're not stressed out thinking, you know, they're looking for me or I'm letting somebody down. Again, it's just, it's about setting expectations. And one of my biggest, um, 
you know, tips is remember to talk about nothing. And, you know, I, and it, I phrase it like that, just a little hat tip to Seinfeld, but right. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I always try to have normal conversations, you know, where do you stream it on Netflix? You know, what books are you reading? You just need some mindless conversation with people. You know, a lot of what we deal with in cases are very heavy legal issues, and you do need a little distraction. And having those kind of talks about nothing helps you get to know people, and it connects you on a human level. So just remember to have those. And, you know, the, the junior partner that in my group, we have been working together for many years, and so that's actually one of the, the last things we do at the end of the day we call each other and kind of have that, that talk about nothing. And, you know, it's amazing. You know, you realize how much you have in common, you know, we're always sharing, Hey, you know, you might want to check out this show on Netflix, you know, and it's just, it's a way to have that human interaction that, you know, some people find lacking in remote work. That's a great tip. And I love the, uh, I love the way you describe it because I'm a Seinfeld fan too, but it, right. You're talking about nothing, but it's, but it's about something. It's about maintaining the, the relationships to sort of the, the humanity of not being detached workers working towards the same goal, but keeping that, that personal relationship and that teamwork. That's, that's, that's a great idea. And I, I wrote that down. I think that that's, uh, that's important. I like that. And, you know, one other thing that we do a lot that really works is, and I, I call this working visibly. So I know many law firms have Skype or Teams um, available to where you can share your screen. And so mm -hmm. a lot of times when I am editing documents or we're going over the case list, I will share my screen with everybody. So it's more of a collaborative process. And I also find training young associates, it's good for them to kind of see um, the editing happening. Um, so we can talk it through and I can explain why I'm making a change. Instead, they're not saying, oh, you know, a, a senior partner's changing my work. You know, what did I do? It, it gives them the why. No, that's, that's excellent. Now I'm curious, since you've been doing this so long and your firm, firm culture is that way, I mean, are there people that you work with on a regular basis that you've had very little, you know, actual face-to-face -face contact with? So I have two associates I've never met in person. Really? <laughs> wow. And, um, you know, they've, they've been with me for a while, but, uh, you know, for, you know, one reason or another, we've never actually met in person. I, I interviewed them over Skype and, you know, back to, you know, attorney recruiting, um, you know, I advertise, you know, spots in my department as remote work. And so we all get on Skype and we interview this person via Skype video. And so this happens a lot that, you know, we don't always have never met, but we truly do know each other because we do spend so much time working together, if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I always try to encourage, um, you know, doing almost like little department retreats, like trying to get everybody at the annual convention uh, for the Florida Bar, getting us all together, have dinner, break bread, um, and, you know, I try to do it at Christmas too. Um, our firm has uh, like an attorney Christmas party up in Jacksonville 
where all the attorneys come in. So I always try to do something else with my group that's a little special. So that way people can actually meet each other and kind of be together face to face. See, so for people in a situation like me, where we're just, you know, sort of forced into this because of circumstances, obviously we all work together on a daily basis already. So, but I still think the advice is, is good to, you know, call some of your colleagues, uh, talk to them a couple times a week, see how they're doing, see how they're holding up to the, the stress of what's going on and that sort of thing, just to, so people don't feel isolated. Uh, so I think it, it's good advice either way to remember we, we are colleagues, we are friends, um, we do work together and we, while work is important, uh, relationships and being people is important too. Absolutely. I mean, it, again, it's, 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 it's being a good human, um, you know, being nice, mentoring others. Um, and especially right now with kind of forced remote work on a lot of people, it, people will be in a pressure cooker. So it's, it is more important than ever. Um, the other kind of aspect to this is, you know, since we're all probably going to be remote, you know, spouses are going to be home as well. Kids are going to be home as well. Um, and so there's going to be additional stressor, stressors there that aren't there in the workplace. And so those people might need a sounding board. So be there for them. Sometimes people just need to vent and just listen. This episode is again sponsored by CSBA, but they have slightly updated their name to reflect their focus on court-related surety bonds. CSBA is now Court Surety Bond Agency, emphasizing the fact that CSBA is the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds. CSBA has recently created a new website. It's a great resource for appellate attorneys. It includes general information on the nuts and bolts of securing an appellate bond with specific forms of collateral, an interactive map with each state's stay and appeal bond requirements, and a list of surety companies certified for use in federal court. Be sure to check it out and bookmark the site in your favorite browser. If you have a client needing to stay enforcement of a judgment in Florida or any other state or federal court, contact Court Surety Bond Agency. They can be reached at courtsurety.com or toll-free at 877-810-5525. Their contact information is always in the show notes. My thanks to CSBA for being a longtime sponsor of the Issues on Appeal podcast. Well, so that brings up another good point about we we sort of talked about some of the benefits of being at home is that you you know you have the ability to take care of personal things and and be at home, uh, but that's like I said before, it's a little bit of a two edged sword, right? Because sometimes that can become a distraction uh, to getting your work done. Do you do you have a a deal with your family? I mean, when, when you had said that you have a separate office when you're in your office, is that are there parameters for when people can come knock on your door or how do you handle that? <laughs> so my significant other also works from home a majority of time. So we are in close proximity a lot. Um, and it just, it works. We were, he was a former partner at my law firm um, and we shared a paralegal and legal assistant for many years. <laughs> so we know how to work around each other. So, you know, we, it's not something that we really struggle with. One thing that I will say, and this kind of goes with, you know, setting up your, your actual office. And I made sure it had a, a door to close. You know, the first couple of days I was doing this at the kitchen table, bad mistake. 
there are so many distractions at the kitchen table um, because, you know, I'm looking at the dirty dishes in the sink or, you know, the laundry room is staring at me and, oh, I, well, we have like six loads of laundry that needs to be done. Um, you know, my significant other's walking around making a peanut butter sandwich. So I moved my office into one of the spare bedrooms and that was the best decision. Because, again, it just allowed me to shut the world out. Um, and this is really important, actually, for conference calls. You know, I have dogs, significant others at home. I have to be able to be in a quiet space to take conference calls with clients. And so just having that separate space is just so important. I do notice more and more sometimes in conference calls, the sounds of dogs barking or things <laughs> that weren't as common 10 years ago. but. But now sometimes you hear them and I think as long as it's, you know, as long as it's not a real uh, distraction, it's okay. People understand, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, a, a challenge. If, if the house is full of people, that can be a little bit of a challenge. Exactly. You know, the key to this is setting yourself up for success, um, and finding the best ways to do that. You know, I, I have, you know, associates who, um, you know, one that worked for me for a while, who's now clerking for a federal judge, she loved working on the couch and she did her best work there. So a lot of this is personally tailored to yourself and it's just trying to, you know, find your style. And some of this is trial and error, just like I did, you know, sitting up at the kitchen table and realizing like, this is a huge mistake. I'm pretty sure I build like an hour that day. Just again, just figuring out what works for you. Now, when you don't have that sort of um, separation of driving to work and driving home from work, do you find it harder to disconnect from work when you want to, since it's, I mean, at least your office is in another, is in another room, but do you find it hard to to get away from it or do you, do you set, you know, boundaries in that respect, you know, when you can, obviously we're lawyers, sometimes we work at night, sometimes it's unavoidable, but do you have, uh, do you feel any difficulty stepping away from it since it's right there? Absolutely. This is like the hardest thing about working from home is knowing when to stop because the work's always there. You know, it's, your desk is never going to be completely empty as a lawyer. So it is just struggling with that, you know, when to close the door. And, you know, most of my clients and trial attorneys that I work with have my cell phone. And so they're going to get a hold of me, you know, regardless of whether my door is closed or not. And so there is a constant, you know, keep working mentality. And so this is something that I personally struggle with. And, you know, some days I'm really good at stopping, you know, going for a long walk with the dogs and calling it a night. But then there's some nights that, you know, I'm getting sucked back in throughout the night. So, again, it's it's a learning process. And, you know, I'm three and a half, four years in and I'm still struggling with this. Now, what about client expectations? Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't generally meet with my clients face-to-face, my appellate clients. Um, And if I do, it's usually with trial lawyers and that sort of thing, you know, maybe in their office or whatever. But how do you deal with client expectations? Do do clients care uh, if you're working remotely? Do they know? And, you know, are there any issues with, with space to meet with clients and that sort of thing? 
I mean, most of my clients know I work remote. Um, you know, one thing that if I have to meet with a client, I'll, I'll normally suggest, hey, let's let's go have lunch together. And that's even with, you know, trial attorneys that I'm I'm working with. And again, that that's an opportunity to have a human connection um, outside the house. So it, it's just always good to find um, some other place. You know, I'm not a big fan of like Starbucks or anything like that. I would rather go and, you know, have a meal with somebody um, in a, a, a much more um, quieter atmosphere. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of coffee shops either, but that's, <laughs> we may be in the minority in that. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit. We've we've touched on a little bit, but how you implement this, and obviously, um, you had said you have your own working space, which which is great. Um, I imagine a lot of us probably have the ability to do that to some extent. Much better if you have a a bedroom that you're not using than than setting up in, <laughs> on the dining room table. What what about technology? Technology is a big part of this, right? It's all technology. The moment I decided to work remote, I don't want to say it forced my firm, but, you know, it brought those conversations to the forefront four years ago. So, you know, my office setup, I have double screens. I have, you know, a headset. I have a laptop. I have my work phone. I have a printer if I need it. Um, And it also has a scanner as well. And it's, you know, all internet based. And so that's, you know, one of the biggest keys is actually having good internet. Um, You know, I had an issue after one of the hurricanes um, where, you know, we had electricity, but the internet was out. Mm -hmm. Um, The cable provider didn't have anything for quite a while. And so I was working off the hotspot off my cell phone and it works. And so I was able to run my entire operation off a hotspot. It's, again, it's just having kind of good technology. Multiple screens is key for me, especially, you know, having the record on one screen, having the brief on another screen, that sort of thing. You know, and I know right now with a lot of this is kind of forced remote work um, for COVID-19. So you may not have that option um, to have a second screen at home, but I will say Amazon has some very affordable ones that are like travel second screens that you can plug right into your laptop. So your laptop screen and the travel, uh, screen can basically become a double screen for you. Um, so that is an option. And I checked this morning and Amazon still had some, if anybody needed that tip. Yeah. Best Buy keeps emailing me and telling me that their stores are still open. So <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they have some too. Yeah. I, I agree with you that the two screens is, is a big deal. I'm actually setting up my, my home office this weekend because I, you know, I do work remotely uh, some, but usually just on my laptop that I bring home, I don't do heavy duty two screeny kind of stuff. But uh, with the idea of being out for a little bit, I am setting that up. Uh, this weekend where I have a screen and my laptop screen at least. So that's better than, you know, better than nothing. And somehow I work my iPad into the, into the mix too. So it, and you know, one other thing just to make sure, and you know, you're at a large law firm. So I know y'all probably don't have these issues, but some of the smaller um, firms may is making sure you have secure connections into your law firm. Um, You know, we have a VPN 
set up to in essentially like a remote server that I sign into. Um, and that way all client um, information is secured and protected um, because that is, you know, one thing that I think we need to be very careful about with people, you know, working remote right now. Um, and that's, Honestly, the the downside to going to a Starbucks, um, I went to a presentation last year, um, and I had never heard of this before, but it's called a pineapple, where it kind of spoofs, say, like the Starbucks Wi-Fi, and people are signing into it, and if you're not going through a secure connection, um, the person in Starbucks, wherever this person is, can get right into your computer and get your client's access information. So um, just make sure I can't stress that enough. <laughs> you got to protect your clients. I agree. I, I know what you're talking about. And certainly um, neither you or I are computer expert, computer no, security not. experts. But yeah, when you're attached to a, a public network like that, certainly anything that you are sending that is flying through the air from your computer to the to the access point that is not encrypted is visible to people who want to do just a little bit of work. Uh, so it, it is... Um, you do have to be careful about that. Yeah, we, we are very good about our security, of course, but I think that's wor- a point worth worth noting that if you are somebody who is trying to set up remote access in a hurry uh, in response to what's going on, don't don't skimp on the security issues. We we use um, we use Citrix, which is a remote access software that has you know two factor authentication, so that you have to get a in addition to knowing a password, you have to have a security code, you know, sent to your phone. Um, we also have a VPN, a virtual private network, which is much better than Citrix because it's just like sitting at my desk at, at the office. But yeah, there are so many great um, options for that now, but it does take a little bit of technical expertise to set that up. Exactly. Um, and there's one thing I do want to mention too, and this is um, not necessarily on the IT side, but more on the HR side, especially dealing with hourly employee staff. If you're going to bring your hourly employees um, to work remote, there are things that you should do kind of beforehand. Let your workers' compensation carrier know that you're doing this because a lot of times that person is kind of rated to be in an office and just to make sure that they're not later rated as like a traveling employee. Um, And also they need to have a way to basically log in or track their time, sign in, sign out, or, you know, however y'all, you know, your firm logs their hours that has to be available to them. So just some little HR tips in there as well. Now you had mentioned Skype and there are a million different video conferencing services out there now, Zoom and um, there's a couple others are escaping me right now, but obviously Skype is sort of the old line, you know, one of the oldest and, and one of the most common. Is that, is that primarily what you use for video conferencing? We do, but I had read at the end of last year, Microsoft is going away from Skype and they are migrating everything into Teams. And so I suspect later this year, it will be no longer in existence and everything will be done through Teams. I have used Zoom um, more in some of the organizations I'm involved with do webinars through Zoom. Um, and so like CLEs and, and whatnot, um, and Zoom is fantastic. And I just saw a tweet this morning from the president of Zoom. And so he is 
basically offering up his platform for, you know, teaching and like court appearances and things of that nature. You know, I don't know all the details of that, but, you know, that is, it's a great platform. Well, I'm going to be learning how to use that soon because I also, I've mentioned on the podcast, I teach at the local uh, college and we just got notified that all courses uh, next week are switching to a strictly online format, at least, you know, for a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm going to take advantage. Zoom is offering free educational use. I'm going to take advantage of that and start recording some lectures. So I'll get a, I'll get a Zoom crash course here. <laughs> you know, Zoom, I believe, has where you can kind of block out what's in the background, which is nice. Um, so you don't see, you know, like my spare bed and my dogs jumping on the bed and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Skype has that capability or, you know, what other platforms have that, but it's that's definitely a plus. That would be nice. I think I've seen that where you can set some sort of image as your backdrop, backdrop, so it looks like you're, you know, you can be on a beach somewhere. Or <laughs> exactly. You had also mentioned about screen sharing. Um, how do you how do you do that? What software do you use to share screens with people that you're collaborating with? Uh, currently, right now, we use the Skype function. Um, kind of share your screen. Um, and then also, uh, we can put documents into team. And so all of us, uh, basically the way teams works, everybody can be in the document at once. Whereas, you know, word only one person can be in at a time. And so when you're in teams, everybody can be editing. It's a, it's a really neat function. So tell me a little bit, is that a Microsoft product? It is. Um, it is, I believe it was, it's one of their newer products. And so you can save documents directly into it and set up like groups, you know, set up forms, everybody can edit. It, it's a, there's a lot of capability there. Um, I know last year they were working on getting some of the bugs out. Um, but, you know, hopefully once they get rid of Skype, all the bugs will be gone and, you know, it will be just a great program to work with. So I assume then if you're using the Microsoft suite, if you want to work together on a Word document or a PowerPoint document, you can collaborate together through Teams? Yes. Oh, that is excellent. That is, that's something that I don't have any experience with yet. But I think, you know, in a long-term remote working scenario would be really beneficial. And especially for, like you said, for mentoring, I think that would be great. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the hardest things about remote working when you have young associates is just making sure they are mentored. Um, because as older attorneys, I think that is one of our duties in the profession is just make sure um, that they are taken care of, they're guided, and they're just put on the right path for success. So Kansas, after all this time, do you ever foresee yourself working in a traditional office again? <laughs> Not really. Um, I love working remote. Um, and I think if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't have pushed it for my office. I wouldn't have pushed it for my department and my legal staff. Um, I think it is a great option. And as I noted earlier, it ultimately saves your law firm money in the long run. You know, I can see myself maybe going into an office a, a, maybe a day or two a week, but I'm will probably never be a nine to five in the office again because of this. I, I just like the flexibility of it. 
you've seen the other side now, right? And it's too late to go back. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, I feel like this is the future of practicing law. I don't see the having offices in every city. I just don't see that as the model anymore. Um, you know, you had mentioned earlier virtual law firms. Um, you know, somebody I went to law school with has one of those uh virtual law firms that gets talked about in the media a lot in California. And, you know, all of them are completely remote. They have no physical space and they are extremely successful. They have more profit per shareholder um, than the average law firm. And so, again, I just I see this as a trend in our legal profession that is just going to move forward. You know, when I first started remote working, I mean, I got some stares from some attorneys from big law firms like, why would you do that? Or, you know, just very questions, questioning looks. And, you know, they thought I was nuts. And, you know, who knew I was ahead of the curve, you know, ready for COVID-19 to hit, you know, because we are completely prepared for this. Well, like so many things, the, the, the law profession is very traditional, very conservative, very slow to change. And so things like that, uh, you know, I remember the, the, the resistance, now I'm dating myself, but when I was summer clerking during law school, the resistance that the attorneys had at the firm to email. They thought it was ridiculous. Why do I need email? You know, everything comes in the postal service and, you know, why, why do I want to respond to it so quickly? And, you know, all these technology things, it's just, it's slow to hit the law. Now I think the pace is increasing, but there's just this sort of natural hesitance, I think, because this is such a, 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 just a very traditional, very old line profession, but that's changing. And I agree with you. I think there's a strong trend that I'm noticing towards remote work, virtual law firms. It does seem to be the future. And, you know, ironically, it's hard to think or to say that anything good would come out of the, the problems that we're having now. But I think that this pandemic and forcing people to realize that they can work at home and accelerating the timetable, you know, and, and even when we get through this, um, people will know it's a risk. So we'll want to be more prepared the way we do hurricane prepare, you know, preparation. We'll be preparing for these sorts of things and being sure it's easier the next time and whatever. I think this may actually accelerate the curve to people realizing that this is, is very doable and, uh, maybe has a lot of benefits. Uh, maybe once people work at home for a couple of weeks, they, they won't want to go back. <laughs> exactly. Because it's not about FaceTime anymore. You know, and that's something that I pushed back um, against in my own firm years ago that, you know, FaceTime doesn't mean you're being productive. It doesn't mean that you are a great biller or a great attorney. It, it just means that you're sitting in the office and people see you there. You know, one big thing about working remote, especially working remote with your your staff and associates, um, and this is, you know, I think is is key is just trust. You know, trusting that they are going to do their jobs and believing in people. Because I have gotten comments from older attorneys like, "How do you know they're working?" Well, 
you can tell. Right. Um, you'll see emails coming in. You, you'll, you see work product being sent to you for review. Like, you know when people are working. And again, it's just putting the trust in the people that work for you and giving them that autonomy to do it. And I do, I do think that the people this will be hardest on are the younger folks, you know, which again, we keep coming back to the importance of mentoring, but the people who, you know, I think it's easier for you and me who are established in our careers and established in our workflow and confident in the work that we do, that we can do it from anywhere. But we do have to, not only in the long term, but in in the short term during, you know, this, this crisis sort of keep an eye on the younger folks and make sure that they are, you know, remember that they're a part or you'll feel like they're a part of the team and feel like they haven't been abandoned and, and keep developing professionally. Cause I think it's going to be hardest on, on the newer folks in the profession. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, that's, you know, one thing that I've just stressed um, in, in my own law firm, just, you have to keep kind of pushing them in the right direction. And, you know, one thing I do, it's, it's not technically in the remote working, but uh, for instance, you know, one of my associates had an oral argument a few weeks ago, you know, I flew to North Florida and sat with her at the table just to make sure, you know, she knew that I had her back sitting there with her. And so again, it is just a lot of it's mentoring and just being there for them. Well, so just to, to wrap this up a little bit for, for those who are new to this or who are kind of forced into this <laughs> right now uh, because of the coronavirus and, and the social distancing, any, any best tips for, you know, getting up to speed quickly and, and working remotely? The biggest thing is the communication, um, communication with everybody around you. Um, I think that's the key. Um, if you are constantly in contact with your team and others in your law firm, I think you will be set up for success and you won't feel isolated. You will feel like you are right there in the office with them. And so that is my best tip. Kansas, thanks so much. Your, your voice of experience, uh, I'm sure will be helpful to a lot of people and, uh, we will get this published quickly. We're going to sort of uh, preempt <laughs> some of the other scheduled programming to get this out. But I'd like to revisit it at some point when it's not a crisis and talk about, you know, some of the other workflows and things that relate to remote working because it's it's not going to go away. It's only going to become more and more important. And I think it's something worth talking about. But thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. I enjoyed it. Thanks to Kansas Gooden for being on the podcast. Remember, podcasts are never legal advice. and Nothing that I say or my guests say should ever be interpreted as legal advice for any particular situation. But that being said, if you're a lawyer who needs the help of an appellate lawyer, I'm happy to try and help. You can contact me at Issues on Appeal on Twitter or at my professional email, ddaiker at shoemaker.com. My contact information is always in the show notes, and that's available in your podcast player or on our website, issuesonappeal.com. Please consider using our sponsor, Court Surety Bond Agency, for your clients' appellate bond needs. Your contact information is also in the show notes. Take a moment now, add it to your contacts, so that you're ready when your client needs a supersedious bond. My next episode will be out in two weeks, a discussion about the Appellate Practice Section Signature Award, the Adkins Award. I hope you'll download and listen. Thank you for considering this week's Issues on Appeal. 